You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so official. Uh, yeah, so I'm here with L Nash. Thank you so much for for being on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast today. Um, Thanks for you, having me. Absolutely, yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan now, so um, it's really exciting to get the chance to talk to you. Um, so yeah, we we were just we were just chatting about um, your your first. I guess it's your first book, your first novel, Animals Eat Animals. Um, and it, it's kind of fresh on my mind right now. So I just, you know, before we talk about some other stuff, I would love to, you know, hear about, um, cause it came out in 2019 before the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, before the, everything, the world changed on us. So I am curious about, um, like the genesis of that book and how, you know, how it came to be. Yeah. It's so long ago now thinking about it. Um, in, so in like 2013, I attended, or 2012, I think it was 2013, I attended um, the Dangerous Writing Workshop in Portland, Oregon, taught by Tom Spanbauer. That's like mm. the same one that Palnick went to in the 90s. And I had started working on this short story with Tom after I came back from Portland. And he was like, this is definitely like, just he was like you just need to expand like on all the stuff that you've got in here so we just kept doing that I would you know meet with him every two weeks and like turn pages in and just it started becoming more of a novel than just like a long short story um and god at the time I was still living in Denver and I would just come home from my little desk job and work on it making sure that I had pages to turn in um and then um yeah, it just became a book. And I was lucky. I was lucky that Dezank wanted to pick it up when they did. Um, I think they had like an editor change during the process too. So they had like pushed the publishing date out a little bit, which kind of worked, it worked out for me too. Cause I felt like I got to like, you know, work, perfect it a little more before mm-hmm. I turned it in. Yeah, no, the, yeah. um, cool. The, like the cut, co- the cover is what like grabbed me i mean it's such it has such a cool cover um and i'm like this is gonna be a good book and it was i mean i think you can judge a book by a cover sometimes and um very cool so denver okay so i live in salt lake city um and you know the book takes place in colorado springs so i I Mm -hmm. figured i figured you um grew up in colorado so we you know not too far from each other not too Um, far yeah yeah similar like mountain mountain life in a way yeah. cities inside of mountain life yeah we always like call it like it's like the co- the cool salt lake city but i you know i don't know i guess every every place has its dark <laughs> its yeah. dark side <laughs> yeah uh cool um okay so we're you know listeners we're on like a a big hour time zone difference here and so i i'm sipping my coffee right now to wake up and I'm Sounds sipping like... afternoon tea. <laughs> there <in> you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, um, so I'm just really interested on how, like, what, first off, like, where are you right now? And then what, um, what brought you there? I am living in Glasgow right now. And so in 2019, I think it was the summer of 2019 that my 
the book Animals Eat Each Other came out with my UK publisher, who is based in Edinburgh at the time. And they were able to, um, when it came out, the Edinburgh International Book Festival had invited me out to speak. They were just like really excited about it and wanted to put me on a few panels. So they paid for my ticket to go to the UK. And I was able to do like a little tour through like London, Edinburgh. And then um, we stopped in Glasgow for a couple of hours just to sign books at Waterstones, like not even an event. We were just dropping books off. And I don't know, I kind of just liked it so much. Um, Glasgow seems just like it was a lot cooler than Edinburgh, even though Edinburgh is really beautiful. Like it seems more artsy. And, you know, when I came back, I was just like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to live here and um I'm lucky enough that I was born in England my mom had moved us to the states when I was about four so I had my citizenship already so we just kind of did everything we needed to to like make the jump after COVID because I think after COVID it was like I don't know it was kind of just like fuck it like I'm tired of putting things off I want I want to make changes in my life you know that's incredible that's yeah that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's like inspirational because I, I I hear you where it is like being stuck. You know, I think with writers, we're stuck with our thoughts, maybe more so than than other people. I don't know. Um, or maybe we, maybe we just write it down. But during the beginning part of COVID, especially, it was like you're just kind of with your thoughts. You know what I mean? And I think I think there was a lot. Of, I was talking to somebody um, the other day. So I I'm a high school teacher, and um, one thing I've noticed with, with people is like, like some of the kids have gotten much more mean and like mm-hmm. harsh with, with each other. But on the flip side, some of the kids I've never seen kinder teenagers in my entire like 15 years teaching. So it's like, they're here we go with our polarized, you know, it's like one goes to the extreme and one goes like to the, to the better extreme. So I don't know just a random rambling thought I had. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. I think with just with the difficulty of dealing with the with lockdown and like kind of just life restrictions and some of the hardship that's come out of that, I think you have people cope in these different ways. And in some ways, yeah, that's you externalize it by getting angrier because that's a way that you can control your universe. And then other mm-hmm. people become kinder because that's like, you know, it's one thing you can control is like, when you're gentle with people generally hopefully you like get the same treatment back you know what i mean yeah yeah no that makes sense yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um okay very cool so okay so i'd imagine you you're you're um you moved to a different continent um i'm always curious with you know writers and a work because most writers you know even even successful ones and you know known ones have to have a day job for for a while you know that's pretty common um i am curious about kind of what are you doing out there or are you able to just write uh yeah just very curious on that yeah so um so actually i kind of want to share like my history of work since i've been writing so i was working in an office and i was doing proposal writing while i was writing animals And then when the book got picked up in 2016, I was just dealing with like a lot of mental health issues. And so my husband and I, we, that's when we decided that um, I was like, I just couldn't, I don't know. I just have massive 
like suicidal ideation about stuff. So I was like, I'll just quit and work a retail job. And he would work full time. And then I would just kind of handle everything else. But because it was so expensive, we decided to move to a really small town in Northwest Arkansas, which was way more affordable because in Denver, we were like getting priced out of our apartments and we'd never, we've never even lived alone, even though we'd been married for a couple of years, you know, we were like, how are we going to start a family if that's what we want to do? Um, so it was like, we just decided to like do that for a while, um, have haven't had health insurance since then until moving <laughs> to the UK, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of a struggle. Like we did struggle. Like when I moved to Arkansas, I had started working at Starbucks just so we could pay rent. And then we're like living off of expired Starbucks sandwiches for a long time and like food bank food and stuff. And, um, it was like, not the easiest but I was writing a lot then like I did a chapbook a couple chapbooks and I had started on my next novel um we had a baby and he was working full-time at a better job so like I once once I had the baby I was like I'm gonna finish a novel so we did that um and then it wasn't until this summer actually so I started that novel when my kid was nine months old and then it finally sold just this summer, mm. like while I was on book tour, like still living in Colorado Springs. Um, so during that time, we ended up moving back home to my hometown, Colorado Springs, to be closer to my mom because she was having like some health issues. It was right before COVID. Um, and once we got there, it was like COVID happened. So we couldn't find an apartment. Mm. We couldn't really find yeah. like the traditional office jobs because, you know, everyone was working from home. There were no jobs or anything. So I just had started freelancing full time. Um, I was editing manuscripts and I started my writing workshop textures, which I generally hold once or twice a year. But this year, I don't know if I'll do it because of like my changing job stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then I because we wanted to move. Um, I was like, I'm going to get a job in healthcare. Cause I know I'll be able to find a job as soon as we land, if I'm working in healthcare. Yeah. So I was like, what's the easiest way to do that? Um, I researched and I found like a one week phlebotomy class, which I love phlebotomy. I'm actually obsessed with it. I really love that. I learned this <laughs> skill set. It's like a professional vampire and blood is like the coolest thing on the planet. And I'm really good at it. I love doing it so much. So I was employed within three weeks, full time doing phlebotomy. My writing stuff kind of like went to the wayside. I haven't really done a lot of it because I've just been focused on doing the phlebotomy, getting enough experience coming out here. Um, we moved out here. I've, I got a job offer within a couple of weeks doing phlebotomy at a local hospital. Um, and that allowed me to like prove to people that I was a person, like get an apartment and get a bank account <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Um, but then because I was applying for anything and everything, I did find a, an office job that was willing to pay me a, like pretty decent, like salary. So I was like, that's going to be like my focus. So I'm back working at a desk job. Um, I miss phlebotomy. I just wish it paid more, but yeah, so I'm back working at a desk job. So I haven't been writing quite as much. I'm like writing on my Patreon, which has been fun mm -hmm. to like challenge myself to do little, like just to get back into the mindset of it. And I want to focus on like 
reading a lot more to become like more internal instead mm. of just editing so much but that's like been my that's like the day job process right where it's like I've done a lot of different things um just to I guess I've always prioritized the writing like when I'm like okay I'm gonna work part-time because my brain isn't functioning um and maybe this is the first time I'm actually like, okay, I need to prioritize stability for just a little bit because I have a kid now and that kind of makes a bit of a difference, right? But, you know, the long-term, I mean, the long-term like desire of moving to the UK was um, health insurance is decoupled from my job. So if I wanted to and eventually could just write, I could do that and not have to worry about the fact that my daughter needs health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot more grants and like writing support or like artistic support for people out here. So that was like another motivator where I was like, in the long run, it'll hopefully benefit my creative career. So, yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. It sounds like it, it sounds like it it has, and it will more. So that's, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to to process it. That's a, that's a, a lot. That's a lot right there and I think um it just like you know it's just very telling I think like when you're a writer like like how you love it so much because there's so many obstacles to to get in the way to make you not do it and I think it's like especially when you have a partner and and or a family beyond beyond the partner it's it's like you need the support from from the partner otherwise like I could you know I've seen it crumble so that's so cool you have um someone to really kind of like you know support that your art and you know that's that's incredible so um tell tell them thank you because i (laughs) like i'm a fan yeah Um, it's definitely been yeah like a bit of like we trade like doing that, like the full-time work and support kind of thing. And I've definitely, I think without it, it would have been much harder. Like, I don't know. It would have been mm-hmm. a lot harder just to find the time. And um, yeah, he's really flexible when I'm like, I have to go do readings or whatever. So yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, that's incredible. I think it is like, you know, I, I, the reason I even asked is because I am just, how difficult it can be when you have like a full time if you if you're working full time and and you know depending on what the job is itself um you come home and you're just like physically and emotionally spent and it's like even if you want to write like i've had instances where i'll just sit there and and you know stare at a pad and paper or my computer for an hour and it's like nothing you know a sentence or two comes and it's like it's garbage but you just feel emotionally spent so it's like um I always just love I mean I know I know there's no secret or formula but I'm always as curious how other writers like how they approach it when they have to work Hmm. um full-time but that's what it is it's a it's you know it's a process so uh yeah okay that's that's so cool yeah it is (laughs) it is a process it's definitely too like when I've had like people who are new moms come and like kind of ask me about the process of it too, it is a bit like you have to be realistic, but it's also like you're gonna have to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't go, definitely don't go to the gym or anything, even <laughs> though I love like I love to be fit and like active and stuff. But it's like if I'm writing, you don't you don't just don't have the time or like mm-hmm. 
God, I wish I could remember which writer it was, but I was reading a Paris Review interview once. Maybe it was like Alice Monroe or something like that, where she, when she was writing and she had like two or three kids under the age of eight or something, and she was working in the shop. She was like, I was waking up at 5 a.m. every day to write. And she's like, I don't even know like how I'm surviving on this little sleep. And it's like, sometimes like you do, it sucks, but sometimes you do, you just have to sacrifice like something Mm -hmm. like to be able to get it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got one of those those apps that tells you how long you're on your phone every every day. And I'm like, I'm not on my phone that much, I thought. And then I see like what it pops up and it's like, oh my God, I'm, you know, spread out over the entire day, you know, how long you're on your how long I'm on my phone. And it's like, okay, I can I can make that writing time where I'd like to think I can. So Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah, there's, there's ways to do it. I mean, and you have to, yeah, you have to sacrifice definitely. Um, okay. I want to talk about um, gag reflex because it comes out, it comes out in June mm-hmm. and um, I was able to get through half of it last night and maybe I, I'm, maybe um, I'm getting old, but I'm not familiar with that, that format, but I, I loved it. So I think, um, We'll just talk, just talk about the book. Cause I'm going to, I don't know what I'm talking about. So just talk about the book. And, and I, I really like that. I'm going to finish it tonight. Okay. Um, so gag reflex is a narrative told in the form of a live journal. Um, so like right around the turn of the new millennium, is that what it was? Like the sure. very early aughts of two thousands, um, you know, the web started changing from just having static geocities pages to having us people having blogs right so live journal was like one of the first iterations of that that i was exposed to and it became a really huge part of my life i've lived so much of my life having friends and community online so i wanted to tell a story about a girl in her last semester of high school during this time period only through her live journal and aim chats like AOL instant messenger chats um and her you know her obsessive lists um and like comments and stuff on the live journal so it's kind of like epistolatory I don't know what that word is the one where you write it in letters but it's not it's like yeah yeah a little bit different. yeah so um yeah I was I was trying to because I well first off I love your your website it's it's um <laughs> it's the kind of it's a throwback for those I mean I'll put a link in, in here, everybody, and you can, you can see the mm-hmm. website, but it's, a, it's, it's awesome. It, it brought back memories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's okay. That's what I, that's what I figured it was. So I didn't know if there, I didn't know if there was like a specific name. I think you did meant you'd said it earlier, but I love, you know, and I, and then I didn't know, cause I didn't, when I read something, I try not to read too much about it before I read it just mm-hmm. so I can kind of hopefully piece it together or, you know, be be right or wrong but i didn't know if it was and the names were different but i didn't know if it was like specifically um like a memoir or or um you know not totally fiction but um i guess that's just a testament to how like how well written it is that you you know you could be tricked into thinking it's completely Mm -hmm. real which i yeah i love that so i can't wait to finish it tonight thanks and I then, would definitely, I think I would definitely classify it as fiction, but I'm glad that it uh, comes across as memoir. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so I don't, I mean, I, I get, you know, everything that 
that we write is a, is a piece of us and you know i don't know um mm-hmm. yeah okay what else did i want to ask you um well yeah i, I want to talk about like moving <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know across across the world uh and i know we're probably we're probably all sick about talking about covid but i am uh i am really interested because i've talked to a lot of people who it, it really impacted their writing for better or for worse during covid some people completely froze and were not they were not able to do much and then i talked to other people that said well my life honestly didn't change like much if at all because they were you know they were single they were a working writer and they just you know like held up in a dark corner for hours on end anyways so uh how how was it with with you and and your artistic process I think the first year of COVID was the most productive. Like I had, I think I probably wrote over a hundred thousand words because I was finishing my short story collection, Nudes, and then, um, which came out this, the 2021 summer. And then um, I was putting the finishing touches on Deliver Me, which is the novel that got purchased during my book tour and comes out in 2023. And then um, I wrote and put together gag reflex like all like in the same year um and then started like 10,000 words into like a new manuscript which I haven't touched since since like the start of 2021 um and so the first year the first year it was it was really productive and then I launched my workshop I was doing so much I was so so productive but then the next year I think I just started to burn out a lot and I actually found that I think because I was spending so much time inside with the same experiences and probably just because of the stress of like living through the world the way that it was, I've I've had this phenomenon where like when I would try to refer to images in my head, because I'm like really sensory thinker and feeler and that's how I try to translate stuff to the page, I actually had a harder time pulling that stuff out of my head like everything became just more flat um and I posted about this on Twitter and I think uh, this poet Elaine Kahn like she said the same thing that she was experiencing that kind of thing too like with her own poetry and I was like wondering if it was just a result of us like having like that same experience for so long so yeah I yeah so I didn't do much in 2021 um writing wise like maybe a couple one-off things and then like Best Buy deleted my or like they ripped my hard drive from my computer and replaced it without telling me so I lost like two years of journals I was journaling a lot and I lost like two years of journals and then like the the like a large part of the manuscript that I had been working on so I kind of like lost my drive for a little bit after that um so it's been like this process of just being like, okay, maybe I just need to like experience life again for a little <laughs> bit before I go back into it. Cause yeah, it's unusual though. Cause I did, I was like writing every day for like three and a half, four years, mm-hmm. like every single day, like obsessively. It became like the first year of COVID. It was like my escape, mm-hmm. you know, like it was just how I escaped. Um, so it's weird to not have the, that obsessive part of it right now like right. I kind of don't know sometimes I like text my my friend Elizabeth and I'm like maybe it's like 
what if it's gone like what if mm-hmm. I never get it back again and she's like don't worry like it ebbs and flows you know everything ebbs and flows because you sometimes worry that right you're like mm-hmm. I'll never be able to do this again so I don't know we'll see <laughs> no that's like, I think I bet that's like a uh, fairly common with like because we yeah we all went through this collective you know it was the same but it was it was also so wildly different for for every one of us mm-hmm. um and I think, you know, for, for me, it was like time like collapsed on itself because I was living more so than ever the same day. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going on vacations. I wasn't traveling at all. I wasn't um, doing things that typically like mark, you know, time. And I and I don't have kids. So, I, I mean, I couldn't see them like growing up in two years, but it's like, it, yeah, forget what year it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah yeah it'll come it'll come back i'm i'm positive i mean that's yeah that's um it has to (laughs) i was thinking i was joking about this with myself where i was like maybe i just need like the doldrum of the office life again to get me back into the like mindset yeah because i was like i think the last time i was like maybe i just need to go through that cycle (laughs) yeah no um yeah i'm curious to hear how that goes uh Mm -hmm. i yeah um Okay, I did want to talk about I love talking about like um like growing up and um you know it sounds like we we may have had like a in some respects I don't know if like I hated Salt Lake City growing up and I left it a couple times and then I just um for for whatever reason I'm back and I I kind of I kind of like it now. Um but I I hated it growing up. Um detested it. And so I found like a lot of people you you have like an escape through art so it's like you know for me like reading and film um was my escape so i have all these people that you know it's almost like a gateway drug where that you find out someone and then you find out their influences and their influences and you go and you work your way back um so i'd love to hear about some of the people that you um were really into when you were when you were younger growing up and then what that possibly led to as far as other um artists that you found yeah, so I'm trying to think really like a lot of the people I was really influenced by from the start were actually like other girl poets my age online. Like outside of Live Journal, there was another blogging website called Diaryland and like girls would just like write their poems and we'd all be part of these like web rings. You remember web rings? Mm-hmm. So you could like click and find all these other girls' poems. And we knew each other just through leaving comments on like our guest books and then like talking on AIM. And actually what's crazy is one of the girls that I met on Diaryland, I mean, I was like 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, this girl she was like in college and she was cool and she introduced me to like modest mouse and radiohead Mm -hmm. and she wrote like the most amazing like poetry and we had like lost touch for a long time but i found her a few years ago online just from like googling her and now we like talk all the time again so that's like a long time to know someone on the internet and she's still writing poetry which is like amazing how like those through lines kind of run through Mm -hmm. and um so like I was influenced a lot by girls like that and then like very typical and not not exposed to much some of the books I loved like I loved um I loved like Animal Farm in 1984 because my dad was always really political and talked to me a lot about politics and so because he was like 
I guess you could probably say he was like a doomsday prepper, but back in the day, I was like, oh, he's like really smart and like all this kind of stuff. Now I'm kind of like, all right, you kind of lost your edge a little bit and you're out of touch, <laughs> you know, but it gave yeah. me kind of like the mindset sure. I needed to like question things, which yeah. is good. Um, and then I was really one of the first poets that I really glommed onto actually was um, Chuck Bukowski, just because he was it was there and it wasn't like traditional poetry. And so mm -hmm. for me, I was really drawn to how gritty it was. Like I remember reading Post Office mm -hmm. and like being obsessed with just the fact that you could write stuff like this that was like raunchy, but also had like good, yeah, good like style to mm -hmm. it. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like what else. Another big one was probably Maria Hornbacher. She wrote this memoir called Wasted about having anorexia. And it was published when she I was read like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's incredible. And I think I felt an affinity to her because she went to journalism school. And that's what I wanted to do and what I ended up doing. And like, I just really identified with her a lot outside of just like the eating disorder part, which I think it's like, obviously like, I've dealt with that in my life. Um, she just like it from the personality you read about in the book, it was like the perfectionist aspect or like um, just she's interrogating her own life in this very specific way and doing research on herself, which I thought was like, just so interesting, you know, mm -hmm. as a way to like, try to understand herself and her illness um so I think those are really like a lot of the big ones when I was a lot younger like in mm -hmm. high school yeah right um that really influenced me. The, the yeah I'm glad that, I, I love that you said Bukowski because he's one he's one of my favorites and sometimes I hesitate to to talk to people about it because I've mm -hmm. gotten myself in trouble or you know um not that he's been like canceled or whatever but I think that like he you know he can evoke some very strong strong opinions um, yeah. among people but I think like I always say I'm glad you said it like his poetry initially I mean I love his not I love all of his stuff but like uh, uh people like you know are going off on him and you know you know in some ways just definitely in some ways justifiably but it doesn't like detract yeah. from like what, what an incredible writer he was um I'm like just start with his poetry and then you know just give it a shot and see what you yeah. think yeah yeah, I think being older and reading him, it's a little give and take. Like sometimes I'm just like some of these paragraphs in his books, I think <laughs> like in women, for example, are mm -hmm. amazing. But then some of them too, I'm just like, well, yeah. it's kind of crass, but it's whatever. Right. It's, that's kind of like how I read it. But yeah. 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 Oh, I think another big one that I was super influenced by too was Francesca Leah Block. I remember like her books were like candy, like cotton candy. And so I remember, <laughs> I think my my love of purple prose probably like really comes from her too. Cause she wrote a lot about like the teenage experience, but uh -huh. from like a almost like it's like a Los Angeles fairy tale kind of way. So. Oh, cool. I haven't, I haven't read her stuff. I'll have to check it out. Very cool. Um, okay. Anything else? I can't think of anything, anything else you want to talk about as far as like work that's coming out. I mean, you, you kind of touched on a lot on some of it already, but just, uh, like you, you said, you've been, you were, you've been very productive and there's like a lot of stuff, um, kind of in the works and, you know, uh, you're going to come out in the next year or so. So anything you want to, um, just kind of like tell our listeners what to anticipate and look for? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I almost look at my stuff too, as like a, with a bit of like 
um not like insecurity but more just like not even disdain for say but I'm like mm, like I don't know about this like whenever stuff comes <laughs> out I'm never sure of how it's gonna be received uh-huh. or like it's hard for me to like toot my own horn to be like yeah like yeah this I think that's a, no well that's why you, it's good to be on you know podcasts like this so you, people can kind of toot your you toot your horn for you and tell everyone um so we got gag free reflex in in june mm-hmm. and and then uh, another novel's coming out um next year next year yeah. 2023 mm-hmm. um so we'll definitely keep an eye out uh for that um shit I want to, <laughs> um, okay. How about this? What, like anything you, you've been watching, um, or reading lately that has like kind of stuck with you? Let me think about that. Um, I read this poetry book by Francesca Criticos. Do I have it here? called exercise and desire and that's really good i have been reading a lot of poetry because it's easier i think lately mm-hmm. fit it in you know yeah sure um which i really liked that book and then what's, I started it, reading what's it called again exercise so, in desire desire okay yeah um i started reading fuck boy by sean thor conroe um which is good I like the style of it I just haven't had the time to like <laughs> sit down mm-hmm. to like dedicate I'm like reading like 10 minutes spurts I'll like mm-hmm. wake up and like set an alarm for 10 minutes and to read just so like <laughs> it'll be like a few pages but I'm like at least I'm doing it yeah yeah <laughs> no I, I I get that I think like I think uh, for me like the pandemic I'll, I'll just blame the pandemic that's that's fine maybe it wasn't maybe it's not me as a person but I felt like my brain just went um to mush in a lot of ways and I had a hard time and I still I'm coming out of it now but I had a hard time um like focusing on you know reading or writing for for good spurts of time which I could always do in the past and then I've always loved nonfiction, and I I can't I'm coming out of it now but I was like I can't process this stuff i was reading a really awesome book about like um the opioid um problem in america and i just like i it's an amazing it's very well written and i couldn't get past a couple pages because it was just so it just overwhelmed me so i Mm -hmm. hopefully get back to that so i get like reading in little little chunks so i'm reading fiction um oftentimes in little little chunks like that um Okay. You mean it like overwhelmed you like emotionally or because it was like so dense? Um, I would say emotionally because I've always loved dense stuff, um, but I would find myself like going back and have, having to reread it. And then like maybe the rereading of it was like affect me. It overwhelmed me emotionally. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I can't really pin my finger on it, but it was like, it, it's just been, it's been a challenge to, because um, I've always had like a good, big nonfiction book and then a novel kind of going at the same time back and forth that I'll that I'll be that's what I'm reading Mm -hmm. um and I've just been I've just struggled with that um the last couple years so hopefully you know it comes back because I love I love nonfiction yeah no that makes sense I like usually really I mean I think fiction wise I can read pretty much anything like 
um in the sense that if it's like emotionally fucked up or something the mm. more I, that's the more i like it yeah um but yeah i was like recently watching this t- like a tv version of this memoir that came out called made and like i couldn't i was watching the first episode and i was just like this is just too depressing right now <laughs> i just can't really and i'm not i'm not normally like that yeah. <laughs> i was reading requiem for a dream mm-hmm. but i had to put it down because I think my brain was like, if the whole book was written with the particular slang that one of the characters had, I could probably do it. But there was so much switching that mm. I was like, I don't think my brain has the capacity to just like sit with this right now. Yeah, you maybe know? maybe our brains, it's like, you know, they're, they've become so exhausted and like a, like a muscle just like depleted and, and you know, hurting in some ways. And it's, it's, we're, we're in the healing process now. So, um, that's what I think it is. That's what makes sense to me. Um, are you, do you know Bruce Wagner's work? Are you familiar with him at all? What are some books that he's written? Um, his first book like years ago is called force majeure. Um, the, one of my favorites is the chrysanthemum palace. Uh, and, uh, that you would probably like dead stars that one is like incredibly intense dead stars um an amazing book and then he he put out a book um called the marvel universe um he actually released it into the public domain i did an episode with him um a while back and he his publisher said some of the language was problematic um oh so, why well, the, the example he gave was um, there was a, a, a f- okay, so there was a there was a character and she was morbidly obese and she would um, she just called herself fat. So he said fat mm-hmm. was problematic. Um, you know, the character even referring to herself was problematic. So um, and, and then he said, that's just like the, the tip of it. So um it so he 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 backed out um of it because he wasn't going to change change it so he just released it into the public domain on his website so he's like anyone can like do anything they want with it they can make a like a short film or a film or you know there's people on amazon who have um made paperback copies of it you can buy uh so that's a really good one too i really like the marvel universe um, but I was just thinking about him. I think, I think you would love his, his style or I'm, you know, I'm curious to, to hear what you think you should like find one of his books and then, um, drop me a message because, um, I think dead stars in particular, it's about 10 years old and I don't know how that, that publisher, if they, <laughs> if they thought the Marvel universe was problematic, I mean, oh my God, the dead stars is, it, it's insane, but that's, um, you know anyways i think he i think he i think he would dig him definitely all right i'll check it out i don't think i've ever heard of him yeah he's he's kind of like he has like a dozen novels but i think he's kind of um you know he's not that he's like super obscure but he just kind of like you know he he hasn't got i think the level i don't know but he's he's one of my favorites for sure um and i think we have similar probably sensibilities so um Mm -hmm. i'd like to hear what you think about him down the road um 
Okay. Well, I think we, you know, we've covered a lot. So I just want to, you know, thank you so much for talking with me and being on the podcast yeah. today. It's been fun. Um, I'm, 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 I'm waking up still, but I think this is a good, good way to wake up this morning. So, uh, thank you for that. And, um, like I, like I said before, I, you know, I love what I've read of your work so far and I'm excited, um, you know, to, to finish gag reflex tonight and then, um, just say maybe your other stuff too. And then you have a, yeah, Patreon account as well. So, um, I'll put a link to that and I'm, I'm interested to look at that as well. So, um, thank you so much for, for, you know, keep your, your creating, like, thank you so much for sticking with it. Cause like, I, you know, when I find a writer that I like, I mean, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to like this, you know, just within two pages in of animals eat animals and mm. you know, absolutely, you know, beautiful novel. So thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So thank you so much. And, um, we'll, we'll stay in touch and I'm excited to, to read your uh, new novel next year. Awesome. Thank you. Uh-huh.